0: What up, AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period and All of the Above Podcast Extra. As you know, we normally drop these in between our full episodes of All of the Above, but we uh, want to begin this one with an important announcement, which is to say, this is the last recording that'll take place from Jeff's apartment because he is moving into his house this weekend and very, very happy for you. Jeff, Mr. Super Duper Dope Principal Leader Man, for uh, getting your move on into, um, you know, home ownership and all that good stuff. And for everybody that's listening, y'all know by now, especially y'all been rolling with us for a minute, y'all know that we are juggling multiple things and super busy and we are actually recording this on a Friday after work. So you know how teacher tired I am and how uh, Principal Leader Man slash moving boxes all piled up behind him, man, how tired he is so bear with us bear with us Jeff how you feeling how you feeling
1: uh, man well I am feeling uh, so many ranges of things it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to put into words uh, my my piece of advice to everyone out there especially everyone out there who may or may not be in their 40s or above and have accumulated decades worth of personal possessions don't move man I, It's so hard and exhausting (laughs) to stay put. Uh, It is a lot of work. Uh, The Fitbit has been, uh, you know, hitting that 10,000 steps a day, uh, every day for like the last three weeks straight. I'm sure. Um, I have been lifting thousands and thousands of pounds uh, of boxes and other things. And this is like, you know, the movers haven't even come yet. This is just getting everything ready to move. Um, and Manuel, I am, uh, as you said, I'm, I feel both a tremendous privilege, uh, and excitement about moving into a new home. And also, I don't, I don't know if we had a chance to talk about this at all, Manuel, but I was, uh, about a week ago, the first few hours that I spent, uh, at the house, I was there, uh, I brought a folding chair, and a folding table, so I could work remotely mm. from the house for the afternoon, because I had to set up the internet and receive a couple of deliveries. And within uh, three, four hours of being at the house, uh, had the police called on me by uh, one of my one of my new Kareny neighbors. Uh, let's let's call them. Yeah. And uh, so you know that was that was a less than exciting welcome to the neighborhood. Uh, and at the same time, I've met a couple other neighbors that seem nice. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. So they're just going to have to deal with the fact there's going to be some black people around. So, um, well, damn. So I don't know, some some mixture of all of that, physically tired, emotionally inspired, and thinking about the excitement of my ancestors for me owning property and also being like, this country is a hot mess. <laughs> And, like, is it 1922 or 2022? I'm not sure. Um, So, you know, and I had a pumpkin spice latte today because I was tired on on the way home. So um, this this is what's happening in my life.
0: (laughs) Well, Well, that is all a lot. That's a lot. And that doesn't even include whatever's happening, obviously, at work. uh, Because this whole education system thing is, um, you know not short at all of uh, things that need tending to. So shout out to you for juggling all that and for making time out still to be here for a passing period, a quick, brief passing period because, you know what I'm saying, we got a lot to talk about and we keep the content rolling for everybody out there in the all of the above family. Super, super appreciate all of y'all. And we've been getting a little bit of feedback. I got some feedback from a longtime listener saying that he rather enjoys these passing periods even though we don't have super dope guests on. We, uh take a little more time to talk about our stories. We don't go so briefly through the stories. And, you know, there's a um, a lot to be learned and explored and slowing down a little bit sometimes for particular stories. And today's stories, Jeff, we have two of them. In one way, they're both kind of like, Pretty straightforward, pretty simple. And in other ways, they are worthy of very like lengthy discussion and critical debate because they are each a sign of the times and where we are headed in our education system for sure. So we're going to start with the um, the state of Texas. Now, Jeff, normally when we talk about Texas on this show, actually, I yeah, come to think of it almost... Every time we've talked about Texas, it wasn't we good. We never
1: said nothing good yeah, about we Texas. We man.
0: <laughs> I was struggling to think it of at least one positive in, story. In
1: education.
0: Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: Texas in education is it's bad news. Let's, let's be real. And a shout out to all the good educators in Texas doing great For work. Sure. I'm just saying from a from an article news standpoint. It's been like 30 years since something good happened in yeah. Texas.
0: Well, in the news, man. That, that four-day work week that one of the districts was considering—that wasn't bad necessarily. Oh, Remember yeah.
1: That? No, you no, know. that's that's yeah. right. That's right. Good, good memory. Yeah, see, give us some credit. Memory. Give I'm us some
0: credit. Shoot,
1: I'm sorry, Texas educators. My my bad.
0: So, Jeff, I don't know how long it's been since you've gone to the DMV and um, you know done anything there, but Texas in the spirit of making sure that all of its people are well-educated and well-versed in the history of Texas, will now utilize the DMV as a place to offer folks a brief overview of the very factual, very comprehensive history of Texas and giving them a pamphlet that is titled the um, 1836 Project. Jeff, break it down for us, man. What is this? What first of all, eighteen thirty-six. What happened in eighteen thirty-six? What are what are we even talking about here?
1: Well, eighteen thirty-six, as as one should know, was the uh, was the year when uh, you know the the glory and supremacy of white Texas became official. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, <laughs> uh, in theory uh is the is the the year that celebrates the idea of independence uh, of Texas. Um, of course, uh, there are plenty of critics who point out that in 1836 there were lots of people uh, in the state of Texas who had no independent literally, quite frankly, no legal or or you know extra legal independence whatsoever. There were slaves, there were uh, you know, people who were being, I don't know, colonized again, you might say, uh, by by the newly independent Texas. Um, and, you know, I don't know that a whole lot of women were having any political agency in 1836 Texas uh, at all. I could be wrong, you know, but I'm just I, I don't remember that chapter it's a safe in guess. my history yeah. book yeah, just a safe guess, you know, that like we had not achieved anything even mildly approaching today's levels of not yet there gender equality. Um, so you know, this this manuel, to me stands out as a story that uh, that just speaks to both the escalating insanity of folks on the political right uh, in in a campaign of psychological warfare against the nation's children and against educators. Um, and also, There is a there's a lens on this through which you can look and just be like, wow, it is a fascinating glimpse into the mind of like genuinely disturbed white supremacists, Um, you know, to to both. hate the 1619 Project so much and also continue to publish pieces that are just like crappy knockoffs of the 1619 Project. Like, you know, I guess imitation is the highest form of flattery. Uh, And come on, man, like come up with something new. Um, So, you know, yeah, as you said, basically uh, Greg Abbott and the nutjobs who are in charge of things in Texas have decided... That they are going to uh, copy Nicole Hannah Jones, but not do any of the hard work that Nicole Hannah Jones did. Copy Donald Trump and do a little bit better job, uh, p- perhaps on first read, uh, of like writing good, complete sentences, um, but do an equally problematic job of whitewashing, uh, you know, American history and, and imperialism washing uh, this fairy tale telling of American and Texas history. And, you know, put it to paper and sort of coercively give it away, uh, you know, with the name or sort of under the guise of patriotic education uh, for the state's residents. Yeah. So uh, Greg Abbott said, and I quote, to keep Texas the best state in the United States of America, we must never forget why Texas became so exceptional in the first place. Okay. so there's literally like. Not anything true uh, hmm. <laughs> in that sense, I would argue, uh, other than the fact that like I'm sure Texas, like everywhere in the country, has amazing people in it. Right. All kinds of brilliant, talented people has nothing to do with uh, patriotism or, you know, uh, the glory of white Texas or America. Uh, But, you know, well, really why this stands out, I think, is this is like a state government level layer of intrusion into the kind of public discourse, public truthful discourse around history that we already have struggled with mightily uh, across this country. And this is a this is like a shot across the bow. Right. Um, To to continue the push. To, uh, you know, weaponize and outlaw and demonize things like critical race theory, things like social and emotional learning, um, any kind of mentioning of or examination of uh, topics to deal with race, power, gender, privilege, sexuality, um, aspects of identity where marginalization, oppression and power relationships have historically been at play um, in this country and not coincidentally, the sort of uh, banning or attempting to ban the practice of, of our, you know, one one-time guest and uh, official friend of the program, uh, Dr. Goldie Muhammad, uh, what she would call criticality, right? This this like what many of us would think is probably one of the most the most important skills, especially in the humanities, but probably across the curriculum. That we can equip students with as a product of their education is the ability to look at what is happening around them, to analyze it critically, and to interrogate what they're being told as informed, empowered citizens in a theoretically democratic society. So, well, you know, this is this is both funny and laughable, and also like deeply, deeply
0: disturbing and problematic. So, what? Yeah, God, go ahead, Memo. I mean, you. I, I don't know if students necessarily would need criticality if we could just give them the cold hard truth like is being handed to them in this pamphlet, Jeff. Uh, I think it's it, it enables our young people just to read a brief and very factual version of white American history and not necessarily have to think about it. Um, this does, this this pamphlet, they're calling it a pamphlet. It is a 15 pages double space. So I don't know what that looks like, printed out as a brochure, uh, but you're exactly right. It is absolutely um, counter to all the things that we Wants our young people to be able to do in terms of um, the criticality of course, and and also uh, seeing multiple perspectives. I mean, this is very much not from the perspectives of of marginalized folks. And in in touching on slavery, for you know, maybe they get a little credit for even mentioning slavery because part of me, when I first read it, I was like, they're not even going to mention slavery, right? Uh, but when they were talking about the early conflict between um, Anglo's in Texas and um, Mexico, they it, they write, "quote the presence." presence of enslaved people. Among these Americans proved a dilemma for Mexico. Many opposed the institution on moral and philosophical grounds, but these Anglo immigrants and some officials saw it as as necessary to develop the region's agricultural potential. So, Jeff, I don't know if you were aware, but those early Texans opposed the institution on moral and philosophical grounds, but... It was just necessary to develop the region's agricultural potential. And it's nice that we could just let our young people know that. And then, you know, no questions, nothing to see here. It does also touch on indigenous folks for about like three sentences. Uh, Mentions that they drifted across the plains um, of Texas for centuries until white folks showed up. And then that's pretty much the end of that part of the history. And it also points out that during the civil rights movement, the um, African-Americans were... Very strong in showing quote grit and grace in the face of adversity for more than a century. End quote. Um, it doesn't say what that what mm. that adversity was um, necessarily, but it does give Black folks credit for having grit and grace. So this is. Obviously, probably obvious to anybody who's listening, a very whitewashed document here. And um, it's an effort, of course, to counter the stone cold truth and facts that came out in the 1619 project, not came out in the 1619 project, but were uh, presented uh, pretty concisely and directly in the 1619 project. We have yet to see a real real true, robust taking apart of the 1619 project from all these folks on the right who claim it's all lies and claim it's you know gets everything wrong, doesn't have it. like the even even the versions of the sixteen nineteen project that the right tries to put out like this are just like so absent of any sort real research, any real citations, any real scholarship that it's just um it's almost laughable how poor these attempts are, but this is something that is officially approved in Texas, and that will be handed out at the DMV for folks when they go to get their driver's licenses. So it's like, this isn't just like with the 1776 project, it came out and then was scrubbed from the internet, not scrubbed from the internet, taken off the White House's website uh, within a day or two as the administrations changed. And that was pretty much that with the actual document itself. This one here is going to be printed up. um, Ostensibly, it'll be printed in black and white, Jeff, because... They don't see color down there. We are all one race, and that's maybe, the American maybe race. Maybe they could
1: just print it in, print it in white on white, dude. <laughs> Is that possible?
0: I'm sure it's possible. <laughs> white ink on white. I'm paper? sure somebody's thinking uh, <laughs> somebody <laughs> too much black on this page. What are we gonna do about that? Uh,
1: that's right. That's um, right.
0: But yeah, man, it'll
1: make it more patriotic.
0: So that's the 1836 project. Very much looking forward to the uh, 18. 49 project from uh, California, so we could learn about uh, how there was nothing here at all, and then (laughs) gold, and then Hollywood, then tech, and that's it. (laughs) Cover that in about half a page, and we'll be good. But yeah, I'm sure more states are going to follow in the footsteps of Texas. All those Republican legislatures across the nation, I'm sure, are going to do their part to uphold a very um, whitewashed and, frankly, just... Non-factual. I'm. I'm struggling to find the word for non-factual. Um, version of their state's lies? history. Lies. Yeah. Lies. Yeah. <laughs> faced mistruths uh, um, about the history of their country, of their states. Yeah. Man, uh, all. All of the bad yeah. words, folks. It's Friday. I've been working all week. Um, I'm. Um, fumbling with my vocab here. But Jeff, that's one story. And wh- whoever's listening, whatever state you're in, it definitely would be um, worthwhile to double check what that state state legislature is up to with regards to its version of state history and trying to further whitewash it and further water it down um, in the face of the ongoing backlash to um, everything, um, <laughs> anything and everything dealing with uh, actual racial reckoning and all of that so boom that's that and then the other story jeff much less dystopian well but
1: before you before you jump into the other story can i just i feel like i just need to share with people like a little bit of the text of this Mm -hmm. just just so they understand because i think our audience let's be real they probably understand already but like you really come on man it's so good and bad at the same time indeed listen to this phrasing okay so Uh, This this is the second page of the document, which starts off with a a, just a fantastically racist whitewash depiction of colonial Spanish colonial history in Texas. Um, And then it starts talking about how by the late 1600s, you know, the Spain, which was disinterested in Texas now is interested because they're competing with France and Britain and and stuff. Um, So here's what they say. To establish control over the natives of these lands, which the Spanish called the great kingdom of the Tejas, the least expensive method was religious conversion. Franciscan missionaries marched north to take up missionary work among the Cado, attempting to convert them into proper Christian Spaniards, while others toiled among the natives along the coast. Okay, Now I'm going to stop reading there, and I'm I'm just going to say... (laughs) WTF, <laughs> like like no interrogation of imperialism, colonialism is inherently violent, uh, culture destroying uh, <laughs> instruments of war, and just drops the phrase "proper Christian Spaniards" as though like oh yeah, because yeah, I mean we all know what that means, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> proper Christian Spaniards, and in just such a beautifully American way, it meant well, It was the least expensive method, so that's why we did it that way because, you know, it was cheapest.
0: So, <laughs> go team. Uh, I okay. mean, Jeff, that's, we're not that's trying to question to any of that, Jeff. <laughs> it's history, happened in the past, okay, nothing to see here. Proper Christian Spaniards, uh, you know, we don't need to put quotes around that or, or, you know, so-called proper Christian. We just, you know, go ahead and apply that there is a proper Christian way to be. And, uh, it's when you think about it it was actually kind of
1: benevolent cuz they could have fought an expensive war of genocide where they just murdered everyone and instead they said it's less expensive if we just murdered your culture and your language and your religion and force you to adopt ours and then kind of make you work for us like slaves even though we have other slaves who are like going to be actual chattel slaves but we're we're going to like transitionally enslave you as well, uh, and take all your land. So cool, go America.
0: I mean, it's, it's, it's just facts, Jeff. That's, that's how things went. I don't really see your point here. Um, I, it sounds like you're not very well versed <laughs> in Texas history, Jeff, because I'm pretty sure it was that straightforward. And um, hey, they mentioned native peoples. What more do you want, Jeff? What more do you want?
1: Yeah, that was it really was like like seven or eight sentences worth of uh worth of mentioning or not even actually mentioning, but just like referring to the conquest of. Yeah. Uh so you know, progress, man.
0: Progress. Indeed, indeed. Well, let's get to a less dystopian story, Jeff. Um, if efforts like this 1836 project are meant to combat Our ongoing attempts to fight for freedom and justice for all, if these uh, really dystopian laws and dystopian takes on the history of this nation are meant to shut down and and silence critique, valid critique of this nation, um, maybe we could turn somewhere else and find some hope or an education system that values freedom and values speech and values all of the things that we tout as a free society here. So Jeff, the second one is about something called Social Sentinel. Now I'm an X-Men fan and the Sentinels are, are not the good guys in X-Men, but I'm sure this Sentinel here is a good guy and social is people. So that's good. So good people um, tell me about this story, Jeff. Sounds promising. Sounds very much in lieu. Lo- I mean, there's social justice, right? So maybe it's related to social justice, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, one of the great things about our show
1: is uh, the, the, the topics we explore give so many opportunities for, for you to delude yourself into believing positive things that are simply not present. Um, so, yeah, Social Sentinel is a company That uh, sells its services to America's colleges and universities, ostensibly among other, you know, institutions, uh, to do a potentially similar function to some of the social media um, monitoring that happens for kids in the K-12 system, right, where we worry about things like bullying or child pornography or, you know, like drug use or other kinds of things, you know, threats of self-harm and want to have some checks in the system in the form of various, you know, bots and algorithms and whatever, you know, whatever we call these things, but the electronic monitoring to surface potential risks that can then be followed up on by human beings. Um, so, you know, sounds good, right? I mean, college students are adults, but they're also vulnerable in some ways. And they're in this kind of transitional phase of life where they are both adults, but like kind of still kids and, you know, not legally, but like developmentally, right? Still very young and impressionable and in a somewhat high risk environment. And so you know, that all sounds good and benevolent, right? Except uh, <laughs> Social Sentinel, and got to give a shout out to Ari Sen, uh, who wrote a piece that I believe is featured in the Dallas uh, Morning News. Um, and this is a long-term investigative reporting piece he's uh, been working on, um, a- a- essentially exposing Social Sentinel, which is billed as a way to help save students' lives, but also has uh he is revealing it has this other purpose, which is about surveilling campus protests. And we all know that surveilling campus protests also means squashing, uh, <laughs> crushing dissent in the form of, of campus protest. So... Uh, there is a, a lovely one pager, um, or at least we just have one page captured uh, in a screenshot in a, a recent Twitter thread from uh, from Ari Sen, um, which outlines how their tool can be used um, to gather intelligence on and respond to campus crowds. Right. Um, so you know they can do things like identify folks who are using incendiary words photos videos to incite peaceful demonstrators to become violent um i now honestly man well i don't know when the last college uh protest that turned violent by anyone from the police was i mean maybe like the 60s like it's been a minute since we've seen like any real violence from college campus protesters but that you know maybe i'm missing something um And of course, they point out that uh, young people, college students, uh, frequently use social media to share information, to plan events, draw crowds, to organize in a democracy. Right. Um, Student led events about issues which they care about and about things like, you know, divest the campus endowment from, you know, Israel as occupation of Palestine or, um, you know, divest from petroleum companies or tobacco companies and these kinds of things. Right. Um, so, you know, this is this is uh, we have reported over the years on like a few other various concerns in the digital privacy and oversight space in education, often through the lens of K-12. But um, this is, I think, a fascinating story because it's also showing us that these same issues persist even beyond the K-12 system into the higher ed system where, you know, the the idea of the very blurry line between responsible oversight to ensure safety and uh, the squashing of free speech and. Thought and particularly rebellious or protest oriented thought, um, especially since college students are adults and not children over which the college really has a legal custodian type relationship, the way we do with kids at school. Uh, This raises like all kinds of red alarms and flags and sirens uh, in my mind is like, the potential for abuse is incredibly, incredibly high. And the likelihood that that will happen seems also very high uh, around
0: any attempt to
1: monitor demonstration and
0: protest. So uh, what what say you, Dr. Rustin? Yeah, no, absolutely. This is um, troubling. I mean, you know. First of all, I, I, I'm mad at the company, but I'm not surprised at the company. I feel like tech companies—they're going to go for any opportunity at all to make money, to make a profit. I'm sure all the people behind it, that you know, they can, they, you know, they're going to try to get their money. It's it's really the, uh, to me, the campus officials, the the folks who are um, in positions of power at these universities, who I'm most upset about because they are here paying for a company to monitor the social media accounts of their students, and that's just. Gross in a whole lot of ways. First of all, um, you know, obviously there are threats out there. Generally, we live in we live in a, a very chaotic time and very chaotic world. And you know, I could see a uh, school official wanting to have maybe some tool to get ahead of uh, potential violence or something on their campus or whatever. But uh, according to this investigation like the times that they actually tapped into and used social sentinel it was to monitor protests around a confederate statue it was to monitor protests around um criticism of a administrator at one particular university like they're clearly going ahead and using it to uh to get ahead of protests that are peaceful protests but that um shine a light on the um not so great features of universities um that are out there and it's you know it's Discuss then to monitor social media use of your students, generally speaking, I think, whether or not the po- the posts are like public posts on Twitter and they're public. I, I, there was one administrator uh, who said something about like, well, you know, it's, it's public, so, you know, it's not necessarily wrong to, to look at it, but uh, it doesn't really matter. Like having an inference, infrastructure to monitor students in this way is really gross. And it's really, really troubling in the sense of like, it's just a hop, skip and away from being abused. Like we just talked about this whitewashed Texas history being distributed at DMVs in Texas, or that will be distributed at the DMV in Texas. So it, it's not hard to imagine a reality where uh, Texas legislature, Texas officials, want to employ a program like this to make sure that students and teachers in particular, and professors aren't out there uh, challenging that version of history or aren't out there, um, you know, criticizing that move, you know, like our podcast right here, this episode right here, like who's to say there won't one day be a legislature and a a governor in charge who wants to scan the internet for folks like us who are speaking bad about their crap leadership and you know silence us or, or do whatever and you know that's just it's not hard to imagine that nowadays so having these tools out there and knowing that so many universities have already signed up for and paid companies like this or this particular company um for this tool it's just really really troubling troubling i think uh, as a high school teacher you know i know that our district well i don't know i assume our district like most districts have um tech tools that they use to monitor student activity on certainly on our devices. um, But generally speaking to, you know, monitor and and kind of flag any potential for a student to harm themselves or somebody else or or what have you. Um, But I don't really know. And this is you know, my message to, to the teachers who are out there. I don't really know what all goes into the oversight of something like that. I don't really know who all is involved in signing up for contracts like Social Sentinel or whatever the K-12 equivalent might be, maybe Go Guardian, maybe something else. And I don't really know the extent to which parents are informed of that kind of oversight. Like I think a lot of us, I know myself, I like, I just assume any public device any public device that you get from your school district is going to have, like, you know, all kinds of restrictions and monitoring and all that on there. But I I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of communication that needs to be had about what exactly is in place and what the limitations might be, what we're actually getting into. I know having high schoolers, like, it's my duty to to make sure that they realize that like I, you know obviously they've heard a million times like whatever you post this that whatever like be thoughtful about what you post be a um you know di- digital citizen and all that good stuff but something like this like you know you might go to college this social sentinel thing uh, they're offering to also scan student emails and stuff and and monitor those too so it's like don't just think that you know you got into this big university now you're an adult and now you're free you can post whatever you want um because they're still still able to look into that so yeah, man. I don't know, man. It's it's not good. It's not good.
1: Yeah, no. It, I think that's an excellent uh, way to capture it, uh, <laughs> Doctor Russell It is not good. Um, and you know, look, we live in this very, you know highly digitalized uh, environment, right, where our lives are increasingly. Uh, you know, lived in digital spaces and where our information is increasingly public as a result. But really, it's kind of quasi-public because most people can't find it. But entities that would use it in a variety of ways, including potentially weaponizing it against us in the form of, you know, uh, intrusions on our privacy or trying to suppress dissent or those kinds of things, it's public in that sense, right? And so... You know, this is just like in some ways a fact of life and something we need to be vigilant about and interrogate because we know that regulations and laws are not keeping pace with the sort of speed of innovation of ways in which they will take advantage of our personal data that they collect in huge volumes. Um, You know, so it doesn't necessarily mean the sky is falling and it also means like we got to stay on top of this stuff because, you know, without Uh, the proper type of pushback and boundary setting, uh, we can assume that there will be further continuing, you know, intrusions um, into this space that can be deeply problematic. So, um, you know, hopefully this article jars some institutions and uh, brings about some space for accountability to say, like, maybe this kind of stuff is actually uh, both not okay and potentially constitutionally problematic, especially in the form of uh, it being used to suppress free speech and political speech at that. So, um, you know, more to come, but the, you know, the the hairs on the back of your neck should be <laughs> a little straighter than they were before <laughs> before you heard about yeah. this story.
0: No, nah, for sure. Like all the tools are there, like all of the tools are there to march us directly into full-blown totalitarian fascism. Like, all the tools are there, like this miseducation, this, you know, uh, changing of the history of what happens, as you know, handing out alternative histories at the DMVs, having these tech tools to monitor uh, free speech, monitor student speech, having laws on the books to ban books. By the way, happy Ban Books Week. Hopefully everybody... I don't, this is, like, the first time I've ever thought of a conceptualized Ban Books Week, but now it's, like, extra important because... Out here, banning books. So all of the tools, all the everything is like out there, and it's just right there. And and I have to remind myself that also there are tools right there to help us combat that and help us come together across communities and help us continue to fight for justice. Because here we are on a podcast being listened to by all kinds of educators out there, educators and folks who are interested in education, um, and having this all of the above family as you know, one of many virtual families that I'm part of where I know that there are other really great educators out there um, who I could obviously tap into, but also just like reassure myself that it's, it's not just you and I, Jeff, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of good people out here and a, a better future is right there for us if only we keep fighting for it and only we keep marching towards it. So, um, you know, stories like this, bad news, stories like the DMV pamphlet, the 1836, whatever, bad news, but there's a whole lot of good and a whole lot of good news out there. And we just got to keep fighting and keep remembering that um, we are we are in the right here when we say we want a humanizing education system for all. And we want to help our young people learn about the past, the present, and learn how they can influence the future towards um, just a brighter, more just future than um, our present state of affairs. So just keep hanging in there. ALTA. Family, you know we love you, and I definitely want to shout out um, Megan Surreal, previous previous guest, a uh, uh, LAUSD Teacher of the Year, who I saw today at a luncheon for the county teachers of the year. Uh, shout out to her and all the other dope teachers out there who are deservedly being acknowledged for the work that you do. Although we know um, there's just not enough acknowledgement out there for all of the work that all of us teachers are doing. That is good work in the name of freedom and democracy and justice and all of that. So. Anything else, Jeff? I know you got packing to do.
1: Nah, man. That was beautifully said. Congrats, uh, Megan. I, I had not uh, heard that until you just said that, Wells. So super excited for her and uh, big, big congrats. So um, yeah, that's, that's all I got. I'm about to go get another 10,000 steps packing these boxes tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, man. Well, hang in there with that. And AOTA family, we'll catch you on another passing period. We do have our, our fall guests getting uh, lined up, but these passing periods, they're going to keep coming at you um, as we continue to balance all the things that we are doing. So shout out to y'all for hanging out with us here on this passing period. It's the weekend. Well, it depends on when I get around to posting this. Hopefully it's still the weekend. So uh, enjoy your weekend. And otherwise, it's time for you to go ahead and get to class.